BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another Ask Me Anything episode. I absolutely love getting to do these. I just feel like they're so much fun and I love getting to hear from you guys. I also love to hear just your insights on the podcast in general and the questions you have about the show and also the questions that you have where you guys want to get to know me better. So that's always really fun for me. Some of the questions are also like very life altering, heavy questions. So I'm honored that you guys think that I can answer them. And I hope that my responses are as helpful as they can be because you guys really trust me and that's a little scary. But I'm excited to be answering them. Thank you to everyone that submitted questions. I am currently on the floor of my new closet in my new house. If you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I moved and it's been a really, really crazy experience. But I feel so good. I'm not going to lie. I feel like moving feels like a new chapter almost. I feel like that old me like doesn't exist. I've started a new routine. I'm kind of like moving differently. The energy in this new space is so awesome. And I just feel like I needed a little bit of feng shui. If you're someone right now who might be feeling stuck or kind of in a rut, a little bit of mixing things up can be really, really helpful. Because in my last place, I definitely felt a little bit not stuck, but definitely I wasn't feeling I was that I was like operating at my best self. I think me and the energy of my old place didn't really match up that well, but I feel so good in this new place. And even just, you know, moving a chair to a different corner of a room can be so helpful. So I'm having a really great time doing that. And so, yeah, I'm sitting on the closet on the floor of my soon to be closet. We haven't really built one yet, so I don't have a closet. So my clothes are everywhere. I wish I could show you guys photos of this. I technically could, but I'm not going to because it would be incredibly embarrassing for me. But I have clothes all over the floor of this room. And I recently learned that it's actually best to record any type of audio around soft materials instead of something hard. So I learned that recording on the floor of this closet is probably the best way to get the best audio in this new situation. So for those of you who are doing TikTok audios, go hide in a closet or something and do your audio because apparently it's the best way to get it. But it feels very cliche to be sitting on the floor of my closet recording a podcast. (laughs) I feel like we should make this a new thing. Anyways, things have been really great recently. I feel like we haven't caught up in a while. So just some updates. I was on a trip last week. I feel like I'm traveling again, which is really exciting. That's something for me that maybe I'm someone that just needs a lot of newness. Apparently, that's kind of what the common thread is between moving and moving things around and traveling. I feel like I'm someone who always just needs to be on the go. And I'm my best self when I'm busiest. So anytime I'm traveling for work and I get to bounce around places and meet new people and do new things, I'm really at my best. Last week, Alex and I went to Anguilla, which was the first time that I traveled out of the country since COVID. 
It was terrifying because I had to get tested like four different times and I was very nervous. But it was such a beautiful trip. I stopped in Miami on the way home for an event with Veronica Beard, which was so good. Her collection is so cute. If you guys haven't checked out Veronica Beard, it's definitely mid-range price. So I feel like more investment pieces, like a good blazer, a good suit, anything along those lines. She has some really cute sweaters. But I posted on my Instagram this really cute short suit set that I wore that I am obsessed with. And so many of you loved it. She has some really great stuff. And I think for the next month, all of her sales, 10% of her sales actually, are going to an organization that she's working with to help women in Ukraine. So go to veronicabeard.com. If you end up shopping, know that 10% of your sales are going to an amazing cause right now. If you're also in a city where they have stores, they're doing it in store as well. Definitely check that out. I felt so lucky to be there. Miami's on fire. So many amazing people have moved down there. I got to meet a lot of other cool content creators in the industry, and it was just so much fun. I got to catch up with Castamikio, who I feel like a lot of you know on Instagram. She has the brand Aurum. That is so amazing. Cutest jewelry ever. And it was just really nice to catch up with friends. I feel like I had such a fun week being able to go to both places. But let's get to the questions today because some of these were so great and I'm really excited to be of service in any way. You guys are also asking some spicy fashion questions, so I can't wait to get into them. First question. Hi, Liv. I'm going to keep this short. I've been in the fashion space for the past decade, but I've taken a huge pivot because I was very unhappy. I studied fashion journalism in college and have been writing my own newsletter for the past two years. My question is, how should an amateur writer go about getting a job either for one company or freelance with no professional experience? Where should I begin? Thanks, Liv. Ooh, the first thing I can think of, I would say like ground zero for any journalist that wants to start writing, you have to constantly be pitching. Even today, I've been writing for what, five years now? I am always pitching, whether it's a new story, even pitching collabs for Instagram. I think a lot of people think that things will come to us very organically because I do think that that's kind of the culture that we've like bred on Instagram is like we're always served up something. We're always served up a new brand or a new thing to shop or a new beauty product. And I think that we've like lost the art of putting ourselves out there and, and putting out new ideas and manifesting things for ourselves. So I'm actually doing this now myself. It's a practice I have to constantly also like actively do. Even, you know, moving for the house. There were so many partnerships I wanted to work on and so many brands I wanted to work with and was really excited to bring that content to my audience. But I was actively doing that. I was actively building up media kits and pitches and um, story ideas. And so that to me has been really, really rewarding and a great way, by the way, to kind of like hone in again on what your mission is, who you are, what value add you bring to a brand. That's what I would say, first of all, is actively pitch and within that pitch be really unique to you. But overall, I think that's something that's also really important is going after that exclusive story. Is there someone in your network? or maybe even a friend of a friend, wink, wink, that you can get access to that a magazine or a newspaper would love to have a story from that only you can bring to the table. I'll tell the story all the time. You kind of have to put yourself out on a limb a little bit. So when I was, I had just graduated school, I really wanted to start writing. I had gotten an offer from Victoria's Secret to go run their Snapchat for the Victoria's Secret fashion show in Paris. It was not something I could afford at all. They weren't flying me out. They were just like, hey, if you can get yourself there, do the coverage behind the scenes. I ended up getting a very, very cheap Airbnb, finding the cheapest flight possible, putting myself out on that limb and getting to the show. And I created such fun content for them. I had a really unique plan that was kind of my young fashion girl visual of what was going on behind the scenes. 
I had actually known one of the designers who was doing the jewelry for the show. So I got an exclusive interview with her and put all that in the story. And they loved the story so much that they ended up bringing me on as a contributor for Forbes for Fashion and Beauty. If I didn't put myself out on that limb, I would have never gotten that. And on top of that, I really went above and beyond kind of sourcing that unique person and that unique point of view that I could do an interview with that maybe someone else couldn't have gotten. And I think in my mind, navigating journalism that way, it's like, how far can you get in there to provide an angle that is so unique to you that they can't say no? That's what I would say is really, really those like first few steps to getting your foot in the door with a magazine, whether you're contributing to them or whether you want to actually work full-time somewhere. It's all about what you can bring to the table and how that thing that you are bringing to the table is unique to you as a writer that no one else can replicate. Something I say often about the journalism industry in general right now is that I am so attracted to voices versus media conglomerates. I would way rather read Hunter Harris's Substack than read Vogue cover to cover. And it's very unique voices that I really am paying attention to. And I think that at the end of the day are going to continue to thrive. So if I were you, I would hone in on that voice, figure out what your angle is, figure out what it is you bring to the table, because that's really, I feel like, where the industry is at right now. We'll be right back after a quick break. We've all been there. Seemingly out of nowhere, you get hit by an unexpected expense or bill. The worst. And when that happens, it can honestly feel like the weight of the world is coming down but it's normal to not know where to turn. Luckily, Upstart is here to help. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high-interest debt all online with simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart also knows that we're more than just our credit scores. So rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like your income, employment, and other information that you provide in your application loan to find you a smarter rate for your loan. Upstart's model is also so amazing and provides options for all, expanding credit access and finding new ways to lend more people with no or limited credit history. You can check your rate in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000 without impacting your credit score. And you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash friend. That's upstart.com slash friend to check your rate today. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information that you provide on your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash friend. Now let's get back to the show. I love this next question. What is a little known fact about you that might surprise us? The first thing that I can think of, because I feel like people ask me this all the time, is who are the really adorable babies that I always post? And I feel like it's weird to do a family tree on Instagram, so I'm going to do it here. But they are actually my boyfriend's nieces. They live across the street from me, so I get to hang out with them all the time. Being able to move back to L.A. after 10 years in New York and be so close to family has been one of the greatest things ever. I thought I would feel super overwhelmed by it, but it's really nice to constantly have that like little like hub of community and, and people to rely on. I think when you go to college somewhere else and you stay there and you're not living near a family, you really learn to be really self-sufficient on your own and do everything yourself. And it's actually been an interesting process for me over the past year to kind of let 
go of that a little bit and not always be so stubborn with the things that I need to get done on my own and kind of reinvest in that idea of asking for help and leaning on your community and vice versa. So it's been so nice to be back home again. But those are the cute little babies that I'm always posting on my Instagram. I feel like that's a fun thing that people might want to know. Because honestly, if I'm not posting fun fashion stuff, I'm either posting my dog or (laughs) Sloan and Lola, the cutest kids on the planet. Okay, next. How essential do I think hiring a PR agent is for launching a brand? It's so interesting. I've gotten asked this question multiple times this week. I think a lot of people are working on brands right now and really curious about strategy. I also think that the way that we're sharing brands and the influencer industry and the fashion industry is so dramatically changing that I think people are really looking for advice and intel on the right way to go. If I'm being really honest, I would say if there's anything I would invest in as a brand, it's PR. Only because I think that they're, if you're looking for press hits, if you're looking for seating, if you're looking for gifting, if you're looking to to do events, if you're looking for your items to be placed on a celebrity, PR is crucial in being able to help facilitate that. I've seen so many brands and I've also been introduced to so many brands because I'm in contact with the publicist who represents them and shows me their incredible pieces. So I think that having that support system and that network of people that are in the daily grind of PR, constantly pitching you, constantly advocating for you, and especially if you're someone that might not have a ton of resources in the beginning, you might not know a ton of people to seed to or gift, and you want to get that extra amplification, I really think it's so crucial. At the end of the day, you want eyeballs on your brand. You can have something really, really, really cool and great, but if no one's seeing it, it can't go anywhere. So I think that's a really good way. I also think I've met and seen so many brands on Instagram just by boosting the posts on Instagram and Facebook. I get served up so many cool brands that I meet. I mean, how many of us are like have like fallen victim to buying things off Instagram ads? So I think that only can go so far. But I think if you're not fully able to invest in a PR company, let me tell you guys, publicists and PR companies are probably the most expensive thing you can invest in. And I do think it's a little bit unattainable for so many brands. A good in-between there, I would say, is boosting those posts on social media and getting the word out there, especially to audiences that you think might love your brand. If you're a New York brand, boost it to Miami, LA, Austin, Chicago, New York. And I feel like that's an amazing way to get your brand in front of the audience that you want. Oh, I love this question because I don't know why you guys think that I'm good at this, but apparently I am. How do you public speak with confidence? Okay, like, let's just be really honest. Like, I don't know a single person on this planet who gets up on a stage or even sits on the closet, the floor of their closet doing a podcast and is it somewhat nervous in the beginning. I think public speaking is such a nerve-wracking thing. I can't even, it's no matter what to this day, no matter how many times I've done it, and I've done so many panels and conversations and podcasts and interviews, you will always have that tiny flutter in your stomach to begin with. And I think that's a good thing. I think paranoia, anxiety, all those things, a little bit of it is a really, really important thing. It keeps you driven. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you on your toes. So never think that you should get to the point where you're just like super la-di-da before you get on stage. Because to me, that's when I'm not excited enough about it or I don't care enough. And I never want to be doing something where I'm not super, super excited and care about it a ton. First of all, I would say anything with public speaking, if you're not speaking from the heart or you're not speaking out something you know, you're going to be nervous. I really, really genuinely feel like public speaking is all about 
showing up, knowing what you have to say, and delivering it with confidence. If you don't prep and you just show up to something, you're going to be nervous. So the more that you can know exactly what you want to get across and know why you're there, the more you're actually going to naturally have that confidence to be able to speak on stage. If you're someone that has stage fright, I mean, I'm someone who just looks dead into the camera and forgets that everyone else is there. I know that's like the oldest trick in the book, but I will say that it's really helpful for me to kind of zone out on, you know, what it is that I'm maybe surrounded by. Last thing I'll say, run whatever it is, talk, panel, podcast, run it through before you get on that stage because then it's innately in your body. Your body has done it before. It's not new. Your body has experienced exactly what you're experiencing on stage. So you're not going through the shock of like, oh my God, I've never done this before. For me, sometimes when I run it through and I get on stage and I go to recite what I need to say, my body actually kind of remembers the flow and the format of those rehearsals. And it feels so much more seamless. So I know that's a ton of different tips, but I mean, public speaking is really, really difficult. So those are just some things that I've learned over the years. Again, I'm still working on it. There are still so many things that, you know, for me, I talk with my hands and I blink a lot because I feel really overwhelmed. And those are all things that I'm trying to work on. I'm trying to like calm my inner self, be able to be there, just be present, deliver the line, deliver whatever it is that I need to say without kind of working my body up to deal with the extra energy that I'm feeling. If you guys have any tips for that, let me know. What have been some of your greatest learnings from running a pod where all you do is chat with luminaries? Such a great question. And I read that question and just automatically felt really lucky to be able to do what I do because I've spoken to so many incredible people, especially this year. I feel like we've had all guests like from such a wide range of of crafts. And I'm always just very, very, very grateful to be able to sit down with those people and hear their experience. But I will say, I just love this question because there is a common thread. There are many, but I would say the first thing that automatically came to mind when I saw this question was that if you're not starting a business based off of a personal need and a passion for that personal need, it's not going to happen. You know, I just did an interview with Mariana Hewitt and Lauren Gores from Summer Fridays and both of them, when starting the jet lag mask, had a very, very distinctive need for either clean beauty or a product that was helping them go from point A to point B when they were super busy and they wanted to look refreshed. When we think of Kim and Skims, I mean, how many times did Kim Kardashian talk about shapewear before she launched Skims? She even talked about not wearing underwear so many times because she couldn't find the right shapewear underneath her clothes. Those are things that have come from a personal need and have absolutely skyrocketed to success. If you're not passionate about what it is that you're making and it's not a void that you've experienced yourself and can speak natively to and naturally to and passionately about, I don't think it's going to work. I think so many people that have come on the show have really talked about those, you know, origin stories, which I always love. You know, how did you, what was the spark moment? And without that, I don't think that there's as much of a drive and it doesn't feel like it's really come out of you. Okay, there were a few fashion questions that came in, which I'm so excited to answer because we're just going into spring. We just had fashion month. There are so many fun things coming up and I'm really excited that you guys want to hear my perspective. What are my favorite spring fashion trends? Okay, first off, I have to say for 10 years, I was not a skirt person. I never liked the way skirts look on me. Then. 
the Miu Miu skirt came out and I'm now obsessed with skirts. I can't stop buying skirts. All I want to do is wear a skirt and a cute shirt and knee high boots or cute little heels and call it a day. I think skirts are really having a moment, especially the micro skirt. The Prada skirt that I wore for the Prada event in LA last month was a hit. I can't tell you guys how many people DM me asking, you know, like if it was comfortable, should they get it? What color should they get it in? So I think skirts are really having this fun moment and it just feels fun for spring. I don't know. It feels really fun and flirty and feminine. And so I'm really excited that that is kind of at the forefront of fashion right now because I am just loving seeing all that on my Instagram. I love seeing women feel so confident and be able to, you know, like wear something super cute. And those mini skirts right now are just giving me life. So I think skirts are having a big moment. That's definitely one of them. Another thing I'm really noticing is I'm seeing so much green and blue. I'm seeing like a cerulean blue everywhere. My best friend Maude, who's probably listening to this right now, is laughing at me because all I do is talk to her about the color cerulean. And she's an interior designer, so she's all about color and she won't stop. She, she literally just thinks I'm crazy whenever I talk about this color. But I do think it's a big color right now. I see like Simon Miller has a gorgeous cerulean blue dress that I've seen so many people wear. They also have like amazing green things. I'm seeing a lot of like blue, green, yellow, these bright, fun colors for spring. And that's really fun because I feel like we were just in this moment for so long of like the monochrome looks like brown, 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 this like camel coats, all white. And as much as I loved that and fed into that because it just felt so chic, so simple, so good for every day. I really am excited to be doing a little bit of color for spring, for summer. And I've also been someone who like, I really fundamentally believe in like color therapy. I think that when you're having a bad day, putting on a bright color really can change your day. And so for me, leaning into that a little bit more and not just wearing black or white or beige or creams all the time, adding something really fun for people to look at, for you to stand out, for you to feel vibrant in, that's something I'm very excited for. I just got a very cute set from a company called The Naughty Ones, N-A-K-N-O-T-T-Y. It's a knit set, bright green shorts, both knit, green sweater with it. It's so cute. I've been wearing it nonstop, especially because I can't find clothes in my closet right now. But it's really, really cute. And I'm just really loving wearing all this color right now. It's been so much fun. Last trend, I would say I'm seeing a lot of like prairie style dresses, really flowy, really beautiful. Like Tori Burch is the queen of the prairie dress. Her last season was absolutely beautiful. A lot of stripes, a lot of bold color. A lot of greens, reds, yellows as well. But I'm seeing a lot of that right now. Like beautiful kind of pleated skirts, something like corsety at the top. It's giving Bridgerton. It's giving Little House on the Prairie. It's giving somewhere in there. But I've always loved that. I feel like as a Cali girl born and raised, that's something that like is very West Coast. So it's nice to see these other cities kind of embody it differently for winter wear. Like I've seen some really, really beautiful prairie dresses with a great kind of leather jacket over it. And it like flares out from the skirt down. So that's really fun. I think that's a really good one. If you can like lean into that feminine side a little bit, it's such a good style that just feels really easy. Just throw it on, throw on a boot, throw on a jacket, call it a day. Tori Burch has some great ones. Look at Chow Lucha. They have some really, really beautiful ones. And Sir the Label has some great ones too. Lots of cutouts over there. Just some great kind of midi dresses and maxi dresses that I think are perfect for summer. Good investment pieces for sure. You'll wear them over and over again. Someone asked what my wardrobe staples are. Just so you guys know, if you go to my Instagram and go to my link in bio, it's a platform called Comey. And on there, I have 
five pieces that I'm rotating in beauty and in fashion. So you'll be able to see my favorites, things I'm wearing that week, always there. They're always going to be updated. So anytime you want to see some things that I'm wearing, go click there. I would say, though, on any given day, there are like five things that I'm constantly wearing. It's like a jean, a good tee, a good sneaker, and a great bag. That's four things, but okay. A pair of glasses with it. Denim. I only wear a silver like denim. I'm 5'4", and I had such a hard time finding a great brand that was for petite people. So I love Silver Lake. They are so good. Amazing fits. Really great colors. I have like a very classic American jean. I have a great like denim top and pants set that I wear all the time. But so a good pair of jeans from them. I live and die by my Aritzia tees. I wear them nonstop. They are so good. Aritzia makes the best t-shirt. It's their TNA shirt. I have it black and white. I have multiples of them and they're just such a good little baby tee fit. So those are really, really nice if you're looking for a good white tee. Right now I am loving, I have a pair of the new high top May New Balance sneakers and I've been living in those. They're just so cute. They never get old. Definitely an investment piece, but if you're a sneaker gal, you know, you got to have those in your closet. And I just got a bag from Scaland Theodore. I believe they're an Australian brand. I wore it all through Fashion Week. It's also another investment piece, but it's such a good bag. It kind of gives me hobo bag, bag, like the hobo bag style. You put it over your shoulder, but you can also hold it. Black leather with a very large zipper. I fit so much stuff in there. During Fashion Week, I was able to kind of fit like a full day of you know, external charger, snacks, glasses, makeup, the whole nine yards. So if you're looking for a new everyday bag and looking to invest in a piece, it is so cute. I'll put it in, I put all of this in my Comey link. So if you go on my Instagram, check it out. It will all be there when this episode comes out. Okay. This last question is highly controversial. Are you excited for the Met Gala and what would you wear? Okay. So for those of you who are catching up with the Met Gala, we did just have a Met Gala last September in New York City. It was during New York Fashion Week. It was the first New York Fashion Week and Met Gala back post-COVID. So about two years of having missed the annual festivities. I got to say off the bat that I was like very winded when I saw the PR like stuff coming out about the Met Ball. Like I was was just sitting on Demois one day and it was like, oh, who's who's confirmed from the Met Ball? And I literally thought thought we were in September for a second. I was very, very confused. But they are doing it again to make up for having missed years. So we get two Met Balls in six months, which um, sending my love to all the publicists and fashion brands out there that are scrambling right now to get people dressed and the whole thing. I am always excited for the Met Ball. I'm always someone who watches the Met Ball. I love to see all the looks. I think it's kind of the fashion Super Bowl. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for brands to showcase what they're working with. I love seeing the new talent that Vogue invites and seeing, you know, all those people kind of be under a new spotlight. I find that to be really, really exciting. And of course, I love to see the new designers that get invited and it's such an incredible opportunity for them. So I know it's a lot of work. It's like so hectic always and New York turns into like traffic central, but it really is such an amazing moment for so many people. So I'm always very, very excited for them and have nothing but but good things to say about any moment where we can like put new people in the spotlight. I believe that this year's theme is Gilded Glamour. So if you're asking me what I'm wearing, I'm going full Bridgerton because we all know Bridgerton sent me into a spiral for about 10 days after season two. No, but I I really like, I have always been really, really attracted to that era, to Regency style. I think it's so beautiful. 
Um, especially this season with what Simone Ashley was wearing. She was in these like gorgeous purples and the colors and the styles and the silhouettes were so amazing. So I'm just really excited to see how people play with color on this one because I do think that a lot of people are going to go for similar bodice, extravaganza, Marie Antoinette vibes, but I'm excited to see how people go for how bold they can really get with such a historic style of dressing. So I can't wait to see that. It's always the first Monday of May. So if you guys are fashion people who are excited to watch it, mark your calendars because it's going to be a very, very fun one. My last question is something I love, love, love to talk about. And I always reiterate, someone asked me, I'm going off to college in the fall. What are some tips and things to know? I had such an amazing college experience. I went to NYU, but I will say what made my college experience was going and interning in the city I was living in. I got an internship my first week of school, and I can say that it totally changed the way that I experienced school. I met people in an industry that I was interested in. I met people who lived in the city and could show me around. I was forced to ride the New York City subway the day that I got there and figure it out so that I was able to do errands for my boss. It really was just such an amazing way to feel a part of the city I was living in, especially as a newcomer to New York City. And if getting an internship or getting a job isn't something that you want to do right off the bat, I would say really, really integrate and invest yourself in your school. I think a lot of people are like, oh, why would I join a club or what, you know, whatever that is. I didn't have sororities and fraternities, but some people obviously really enjoy that. Getting involved in your school and making community and finding people that are like-minded and finding people that also challenge you. To me, that was really important. Really integrating myself into the community of my school and the city I was in totally changed my trajectory and really made my college experience. So I would say get in there. It's the quickest way to make friends too. And friends that I promise you, you will have out of school because those are the friends that you're going to find that you all share something in common, whether it's something you love professionally or just that experience. Those friends in college are really for a lifetime. So have the best time. Best of luck to you. And uh, my DMs are always open if you have more questions. Thank you guys so much for submitting these questions. These are always so much fun to do. I'm really, really grateful that you trust me with these. I love this time to be able to catch up with you guys. In general, my DMs are open, so you can always shoot me a DM if you have questions. I hope you guys have an amazing week ahead, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.